From coast to coast to coast, you're listening to Terra Informa. Welcome to Terra Informa. I'm Dylan. And I'm Dominique. We'll be your hosts for the next half hour of environmental news. This week promises you a bit of easy and inspiring listening. We put together a little soundscape of the sounds, chants, and chats that we heard at the Youth and Student Climate Strike on March 15th of this year. We'll also present some headlines covering the newly protected Lofoten Archipelago off the coast of Norway, a lawsuit launched in South America by the indigenous Warani people to prevent the government of Ecuador from auctioning off their ancestral lands to oil companies. And then we'll bring it back here to Alberta to fact-check some of the promises made by the newly elected Alberta Premier and leader of the United Conservatives, Jason Kenney. But before we go there, here is Tara Informa, Kezia Diaz, with an open letter that she wrote to Albertans regarding our complicated relationship with the environment, our economy, and our future. An open letter to Albertans. By now, you probably can't flip through a news channel without hearing the words carbon tax. Politicians have called it several names from the price on pollution to a political gimmick. But for those of you who haven't heard the carbon tax, here is the rundown. The Canadian federal government has implemented a tax on emissions across Canada, which will affect all carbon-based industries. Some provinces have also implemented their own carbon tax. In our province, the tax is $30 a ton of carbon emitted to eventually phase into a $50 a ton tax by 2022. The tax dollars return through a large yearly tax rebate back to Albertan households, while some money contributes to funding greener and sustainable initiatives such as public transport, LRT lines, renewable energy technology, and helping small business owners. This climate action policy decreases Canada's emissions and cuts the amount of human-driven pollution to mitigate the serious and ongoing effects of climate change. Just to be clear, the carbon tax is not a ban on the oil and gas industry but a ban on pollution. Yet the carbon tax is still a challenge to accept because we are the nation's front-runner for oil and gas. I get it, as an Albertan, the oil and gas industry has kept a roof over my head, kept my university tuition lower than what many other Canadian universities offer, and has given me many opportunities for employment and personal development. Without this industry, my dad, an engineer by trade, would not have been able to give my family the spectacular privileges and abundances only to be afforded in Alberta. Alberta has been known for our economic prosperity, which is why the downturn in the economy due to the oil and gas industry is not only a matter of finances, but a challenge to our identity. Who are we if not leaders in the energy sector? The carbon tax is salt on an already open wound, as many of us are facing not just months, but years of unemployment. Many oil and gas companies are leaving Canada or firing many employees, leaving many of us desperate and unable to see further than getting by with the latest paycheck or unemployment insurance check in these stressful times. 
Understandably, we have also ignored the effects of climate change by calling the climate crisis a political view and not a moral responsibility. The long-term effects of increasing temperatures, increased forest fires in urban areas, droughts are not popping up on our daily weather update, and so the issue lacks urgency. The climate crisis has also been delegitimatized by many in our province due to more pressing economic priorities. But is this right? Can we get by to the next decade without taking aggressive action to decarbonize energy use? Can we live with more fires like the one that devastated Fort McMurray in 2016? Bearing in mind the traumatic effects to that community, and also on strictly economic terms, the damage caused by the deadly fire costed Canadians about $9.9 billion. How can we justify human-influenced carbon levels and its effects when it hits so close to home? So how much carbon are we really emitting? According to a study done, at the University of British Columbia, they found an average Albertan household admits about 22.9 tons of carbon a year. To get a sense of what a ton of carbon dioxide emissions might look like, picture this. Imagine filling up a balloon the size of a medium-sized facility swimming pool and releasing it up to the blue sky. Now picture the release of 23 of these balloons per family, per year, up into the air. It really does add up, doesn't it? Figuratively littering the overhead atmosphere with these ginormous balloons gives us an idea of how much air pollution we are creating. The carbon tax is at $30 a ton. With 23 tons of carbon released per household, the total is about $700 a year in tax. But the tax dollars get back to us at the end of the tax season through an energy rebate check. So why go through the hassle of taking money only to return that money back? Why then charge Albertans for carbon use? This might seem counterintuitive. However, this system has already been put in place at your local superstores. Have you ever needed to use a shopping cart at superstores only to find that you need to fish out a dollar to use one? Once you stick your shiny loony into the cart lock, it releases the cart from its chain link and you are free to use it during your shopping trip. However, to get your dollar back, you must return the cart to the cart line. There is an accountability and responsibility when using the shopping cart and an economic incentive for returning the cart back. Without incentives such as this, you would see carts littering the parking lots such as the one at Costco, for example, where they don't have a monetary incentive to return a cart. Likewise, the carbon tax is an economic incentive that gets us accountable for the pollution we emit. Though we get the money back we pay in carbon tax, we are more aware of how much carbon we consume throughout the year and make sure that we do not litter our province with pollution. This step is crucial when facing the global emissions challenge. If there is an economic incentive to pollute less, then industrial emitters will have to cut down on their emissions.
Additionally, the tax money from carbon use from big businesses will compensate Albertan families and be used to invest in sustainable and renewable energy initiatives such as nuclear, hydroelectric, solar and wind energy. But more importantly, we are taking care of our air, which will prevent those devastating wildfires and damaging floods. Decarbonizing our industry will be an identity crisis for Albertans. Yet it is a moral responsibility for us to keep our province safe from environmental disasters. The carbon tax is only one step, and possibly the most painful one to beating this pollution challenge. But despair over the tax is not an option. Futility is not an option, because innovating low-carbon solutions has already begun. Countries such as France run on mostly nuclear energy, demonstrating an alternative to oil and gas. The rise of electric cars is inspiring major changes in the automobile industry. And sustainable energy initiatives and companies in Alberta are preparing to revolutionize our industry, giving job opportunities and bringing Alberta back as a renewable energy leader, provided that we encourage them. Our industry only needs a motherly push to actively integrate the low-carbon solutions to propel our province forward. Each of us can create the world we want to live in. Sustainability means taking care of the present generation without compromising the future of the next generation. And when we Albertans take responsibility for our carbon emissions, we build sustainable industries. With your vote, your voice, and your choices, you are actively shaping our world. Decarbonizing our industry is a scary change, but being risk-averse is becoming incredibly important to building a sustainable province. Remember to vote responsibly. See you at the polls. Yours truly, Kezia Diaz. That was Kezia Diaz reading her letter to all Albertans. Now on to our headlines. The zero waste movement is beginning to get a foothold in the mainstream. A Quebec-based grocery store chain has announced that it will be allowing customers to bring in their own reusable containers for ready-to-eat meals, meat, seafood, and pastries. This might seem like a small and inconsequential step, but if you ever tried to go to a major grocery store chain with your own container, you might have had a run-in with a bunch of corporate red tape preventing it from happening. Staff are often legally required to refuse your attempts to cut down on styrofoam and plastic in the name of liabilities. Professor of Food Distribution and Policy at Dalhousie, Sylvain Charlebois, predicts that pressure on provinces and municipalities will result in increased support for policies supporting reduced waste, like this Tupperware announcement from Quebec. You've probably heard the Amazon forest described as the lungs of the planet. In February, a coalition of hundreds of Wairani peoples, including elders, youth, and leaders, marched from their homes in the Amazon rainforest to launch a lawsuit to prevent the government of Ecuador from auctioning off their ancestral lands to oil companies in the Pastaza region. 
The lawsuit is filed against three government departments, the Ecuadorian Ministry of Energy and Non-Renewable Natural Resources, the Secretary of Hydrocarbons, and the Ministry of the Environment. It alleges that the Warani people's rights are being violated by a, quote, improper consultation process prior to an oil auction which would offer up the Warani lands in the Pastaza region to the highest bidding oil company, end quote. The Warani people have stood their ground. A hearing on March 13th was disrupted by a group of Warani people demanding that their right to an appropriate translator be upheld in the name of intercultural justice, which Ecuador has an obligation to uphold. The conflict is often presented as more than just one between oil companies and the environment. It's a fundamental conflict between ways of living. Warani leader Nankimo said that the oil industry, quote, will bring money, sickness, and contamination. They will try to divide our families and change our ways of thinking, end quote. Other affronts to the Warani way of life, like oil spills, deforestation, and the imposition of cocoa and coffee monocrops have a long history in these places. The Warani know what is at stake. Penti Baho, a leader of a Warani village, said, quote, we do not want to disappear. Our attention was brought to this issue by a few local members of an organization called Indigenous Climate Action. A couple of activists from Amiskwichiwaskihigan, the Cree name for Edmonton, went to stand with and show support for the Waurani people in their ongoing fight. According to them, the battles that the Waurani peoples are fighting mirror the many ongoing battles against the settler state and the corporations across Turtle Island. Last but not least, bringing it back to local news, in last week's provincial election, the United Conservative Party, led by Jason Kenney, won a majority government in Alberta. Jobs, economy, and social issues seemed to dominate the campaign coverage, while the environment took a back seat in mainstream local media. Luckily, independent media like the Narwhal have been investigating Alberta's environmental record, and major Canadian media have also taken note. Media coverage is something we clearly care about at Terra Informa, and we wanted to share some of our reportings on last month's crime... <laughs> oh, boy. Crime it. <laughs> it's a crime. Media coverage is something we clearly care about at Terra Informa, and we wanted to share some of our reporting on last month's climate strike and Global Day of Action on March 15th that, that we felt was poorly covered by mainstream Edmonton media. Now, we take you back to that day for some speeches and interviews. Listen to a bunch of kids. 
And my personal response to that is at this point, you don't have a choice. We are loud, we are fed up, and we are most of all passionate about this because it applies to us every day, and it's going to apply to us every day for the rest of our lives. So why shouldn't we be a little bit angry about it and a little bit passionate about it and, you know, a little bit extroverted? We, we do this because we want people who look away to have no choice but to turn around and actually face us. Students across the globe demand this and we know that we won't stop until we get this. We do this to demand politicians to own up to what they signed on to do, to acknowledge that climate change is an issue, and to stick to the Paris Agreement to just transition. We students and youth have stepped up, now it's our turn to be met halfway. <laughs> so, like I said, we met with varied responses, and a positive response is what we want, but actual action and positive action is what we need. appreciate the sun. It's so nice out, but then that wind hits and I'm like, oh. <laughs> So did you help organize this? I didn't so much. I work, like, I've been working with Climate Justice Edmonton, um, so, but I haven't been able to be very involved for the last month, but um, lots of students, like, do you see that guy just behind the security guard, with the, like the blonde guy there? Yes. My name is Cordelia Saltberg and I'm 17 years old. And how did this come about today? So that's a bit of a story. So I've been uh, volunteering with CJE for quite some time. CJE, Climate Justice Edmonton. Um, and before that I volunteered with the Greenpeace local group in the city. And I've been doing that practically ever since I moved here. Um, and uh, Denmark. Um, and well, so one of, one of the meetings we were talking about engaging youth, and then the kind of the topic came up: why not do a climate strike uh, and be part of this global thing that's it's going on all, all over the world, empowering youth. So that's and then it kind of just took shape. I started inviting people from my school and from other schools, and kind of got things started. The ball well, well done, honestly. First I was all. really happy to see so many people who are here, like yeah. from high school and from mm -hmm. junior high. Yeah. Was it what you expected? Yeah, I, I think um, 
we were, it's hard to put, to, to make any presumption. There was so much uh, kind of, uh, what do you want to, I don't know what to call it, uh, like kind of underground um, promotion. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to know exactly what we could, could expect. But I'm, I'm really super happy with, with all the people that came out. It just shows that even here in oil, what's supposed to be oil country, people are, are realizing that, uh, that the science, what the science is and where we stand. So. Mm. And I think it's really interesting that like, not everybody cares about climate change, but almost everybody cares about youth. And yet those things are really connected. Yeah, So exactly. I wonder if you could just speak to how those are connected. Well, there's a lot of uh, connection between youth and the future. Uh, but there's no way that we're going to have a future if climate change keeps us accelerating the way that it is. Um, the adults talk about how they want to be good parents and take uh, care of the kids, but they're really not being the parents that they should be taking care of the kids' futures by keeping on the system going that is uh, accelerating climate change. Uh, and I think that just goes to show that they haven't either they haven't really understood what the what the problem is or they just don't they they're just blocking it out how are you feeling right now um hopeful uh yeah definitely i think that's the biggest feeling i have right now and just happy that so many people showed up both youth and uh, <laughs> allies if you want to say that um and yeah it makes me hopeful for the future and i, I just talked to someone who was uh pipe fitter in the oil and gas industry and he's like yeah thank you so much for doing this and I I am trying to get out of this and I, yeah I just think that really shows that we are creating change we are uh, changing the minds of, of the adults and yeah, it makes me hopeful hmm. anything else you want to say um, well I would like to invite everyone from elementary to uh, retired people uh, to it's uh, people at university, everyone, to come to the, the strike in May 3rd. We're gonna, th that's the next big global strike. And yeah, follow us on Instagram, Student Strike Yak, and we're gonna keep posting stuff about uh, strikes and, and other events that we're gonna. We'll post a link and stuff in our uh, website. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for speaking with us. Thank you. You're fighting for your future.
So I'm here because I'm a student and I care about the environment. It's our future right now. Like, we, we are going to have children, we're going to have grandchildren, and we want them to grow up in a world where it, it's easy, it's, we can breathe the air, we can drink the water, and it's good. <laughs> How are you feeling right now? Um, I'm feeling pretty, like, hyped up, I guess. I'm pretty happy. I'm very proud of everyone who came. So I was expecting a lot less people to come, but I'm very happy that everyone did come. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. Sorry, what's your name? I'm Ruth Hopkinson. I'm one of the people that did this speech there. Awesome. Well, well done. Do you, do you want to say anything? Like, how you're feeling? And maybe it feels great to be united and with the, this many people, like, everyone supports what I believe. And for the people who maybe are, are listening but weren't here today, yeah. what would you ask of them they, or tell them? We need to be united in this, and it's not, it's how you support it. It's, if you have the support for it, if you have the spirit, it's going to come out. We are going to yeah. show it. Yeah. What's your name? Reese. Reese. Cool. How old are you? I'm 15. Thank you for being here. Thank yeah. you. Thank Good you job. so much. You did awesome. I'm glad that you got your fellow students yeah. out here. Yeah. That was a visit to the Alberta Legislature and the student climate strike held on March 15, 2019. While this climate strike saw hundreds of young people march to the Alberta Legislature and demand action on climate change, few news stations gave it much coverage, compared to demonstrations just a few weeks later in support of gay-straight alliances. We at Terra Informa think human rights, social justice, and LGBTQ issues are critical for environmental justice, but are curious why there is often unequal coverage of activism that makes that link. This momentum is ongoing. There will be another youth-led day of climate action across the country on May 3rd. We would encourage you to go raise your voice if you're a student or show up to demonstrate your support for these courageous youth. A successful youth movement in the United States called Sunrise has resulted in politicians like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez voicing their support for a Green New Deal. Now, youth in seven major cities in Canada are banding together to launch something similar, the new youth-led campaign called Our Time, launched across the country last week, with more details to come on April 24th. Already, politicians like Jagmeet Singh are voicing support for the grassroots-led movement. The seven cities organizing to push a Green New Deal onto the federal agenda are Edmonton, Ottawa, Toronto, Winnipeg, Halifax, Von- Vancouver. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Vancouver. Vancouver and Montreal. Don't hear your city? If you go to the website r-time.ca, you can get more information on registering in your city. You can also find more information on some of the main pillars of a Green New Deal. Keep your ears tuned to Terra Informa for more in-depth coverage. That's all the time we have for this week. Terra Informa is a production of CJSR 88.5 FM, located in Edmonton, Alberta, part of Treaty 6, the historic and present territory of Cree, Métis, Blackfoot, Dene, and many other First Peoples who continue to live and gather here and who continue to influence the stories we make and our understanding of the land around us. If you have any questions or comments, send us an email to terra at cjsr.com or tweet at Terra Informa. Thank you to all our volunteers that contributed to this week's episode. Hannah Cunningham, Sydney Carbonic, Amanda Rooney, and Elizabeth Dowdell. We've been your hosts, Dylan and Dominique. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you'll catch us next week right here on Terra Informa.
Oh, I hope they keep that. Um, that was subtle. It's nice. Do you want to talk about chickens? I want to have one of those. <laughs> oh my god.